0: actually is a podcast about reimagining the way we approach the entirety of the birthing year Margot's goal is to combine her radical imagination with her knack for strategizing to bolster the birth revolution and a larger global revolution of feminine consciousness actually is a production of the indie birth association and indiebirth.org no material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Now, here's your host, midwife, and teacher, Margot Blackstone.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Actually, a podcast with me, Margot Blackstone, and a production of the Indie Birth Association. Today, I have a special guest, Etienne Piersman, and he is going to be talking to us about craniosacral therapy. And how that relates to pregnancy and birth and the postpartum and the newborn time. So I'll read through your bio and then we'll jump in. Okay. So Etienne Piersman is one of the most respected craniosacral therapy teachers worldwide and has been teaching for nearly 30 years. He is the founder and director of PCSA, Piersman Craniosacral Academy in the Netherlands, and originated the Craniosacral Professional Organization in Holland and is an honorary member of the Dutch Craniosacral Practitioner Association. Additionally, he taught CS at the New Mexico Academy of Healing Arts and Vasture University for nearly a decade. He now teaches at his new school, Piersman Craniosacral Academy in Sierras, New Mexico. Essien is also the author of the wonderful book, Craniosacral Therapy for Babies and Small Children. I am super excited to talk with you today.
2: All right. (laughs) Did you ever read the book?
1: I have not gotten a chance to read the book yet, but it is on my list, and maybe I'll have to have you back on afterwards if I have a bunch of questions after reading it. But maybe let's start there. Tell me a little bit about that book and where your interest in working with babies and small children came from.
2: The book is basically, I think we brought it out in 2006, and it has gone, yeah, well over the world. It's been translated in what in Portuguese, in German, in French, in Czechian, in Polish, wow. in it originates in Flemish, in Mandarin and that other one Cantonese. So it's also out in China. Amazing. Yes, and we brought it out, or it was made in 2006. And the reason that we brought it out in the book, my wife, in that part, you can see that in the booklet, she was an amazing photographer. And we had maybe three, four, five thousand pictures of me working on babies. There were quite a bunch that used to come through my hands and we had so many pictures and they're so beautiful yeah babies being worked on that's quite a nice subject so we we brought the book out basically to show the pictures the text is just so it's a book but the book was brought out to, to get people's interest in our work but also there the pictures are so emotional you can see the emotions in me maybe mm. in the mom we basically brought it out to to get people into an emotional reaction about this work and if you see the pictures it's something that you want for your baby also they're so beautiful so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why the book basically came to hmm. us, yeah. So that's quite... Yeah, good.
1: I'll make sure I add a link to the book.
2: Yes, yeah. show
1: notes.
2: All right, good. Yeah, and then you're probably wondering, this is 2006, and I stopped having a practice already for more than 10 years because I'm just, yeah, uh, teaching cranio, And at this moment, I'm more or less... Yeah, confined to New Mexico, just next to Albuquerque. But I'm teaching a little bit all over the world. I just came back from Seattle and, yeah, I'm waiting to go back to Europe and to Asia. And, yes, the work with the babies at the moment is a little bit, yeah, centerpiece. Let me, let me just go into it so you don't have to ask any questions about it. I'm busy with a new book and it's... It is written, it just needs to be published, that's all. But a big part of that book is about placenta and lotus bird. And it's, okay. yeah, it's one of those, if you look at the state of the world and how, yeah, there is trouble everywhere, but all right, that's one thing. But what I'm concerned about is how babies at this point, what are their chances and to make it into. This, yeah, world that seems to be going crazier and crazier. But uh, what can we do as cranial therapists and also as doulas and as midwives? What can we do with newborns? And uh, there is a huge possibility to put humanity on a better course just by being with moms at the very beginning. And I'm talking about Lotus Bird and Placenta. And let me explain how I came to know about this topic. First of all, yeah. first of all, there is so many people that I work with and that I teach. And one of the main things that I see in people is they have something missing, something very deep, and they have no idea what is this very small, but it's always there, this negative feeling that people have. Deep down, it's almost if they're happy, they don't feel it. But once the happiness falls away, there is this layer of something you can't reach. Now, it's about 20 years ago that I met my first lotus baby. And it let me explain what lotus is. It is a bird with total absence of aggression. There is not gonna be any aggression at all. That means that there is no gonna be cutting of the cord. There is no gonna be taking the baby away after it's born. It's not gonna be washed. It's not gonna be done, the whole Apgar score. Every medical thing that they thought out is not gonna happen at all. Birthing is not a medical pro- problem. Birthing should be something holy, something that, yeah, everything needs to halt at that po- moment. A baby is a holy thing that's getting born. But anyway, when I, about 20 years ago, a friend of mine, we had a meeting about five hours that was in, in New Mexico, and uh, a friend of mine said, I have my cousin here and she has such a special baby. Can we invite the kid here? Oh, sure. So that mom with the baby came. The baby was about four four months old, very young. And for four or five hours, that baby didn't make a peek. It didn't talk or clamor for his mom. It was just a calm, sitting baby, looking around, not even grimacing, not even smiling, just looking very neutral at everybody. At a certain moment, mom stands up, goes to the baby and breastfeeds it. And it didn't even ask for it. It was such an understanding between mom and baby. (coughs) The main thing that I noticed was, how neutral, happy that baby was without having to make a sound for four or five hours. Now, I came to talk with mom. What is this with this kid? And she says, yeah, he was a lotus baby. So it was the first time I heard that. So she came to tell me about it. Lotus baby is basically mom. And our, the baby, umbilical cord, and that um, big thing that grows the baby, basically, um, comes out together, the three of them. And there is no going to be cutting of the cord. And mom is going to be getting home with the baby and placenta in both hands and hopefully the bird will be at home. But this is basically what happens to the baby. A mom is born, placenta is born, umbilical cord. So what comes out of the fertilized egg, most people forget that, but that placenta and the umbilical cord are part of the fertilized egg. Now, when they cut placenta, as they always do, after the baby is born or they clamp it off immediately, in the placenta is one-third of the baby's blood that's still in there. Mm -hmm. Yes, the umbilical cord, and that's maybe the most important thing, it is filled, chock full of stem cells, original stem cells. Now, these stem cells are equal to the fertilized egg, They have the same potential. They have the potential to create anything in the body that the body might need. (laughs) Brain cells, heart cells, liver cells, you name it. These are original stem cells. And the placenta itself, it's also filled with stem cells, with hormones, with neurotransmitters, and such an amount of innate immune knowledge. It is beyond belief what's still Mm -hmm. in that placenta. And we have something in the body that's called motility. And motility is where cells have continuous contact with what is it that, what is the origin of the cells, the stem cells. Now, Motility is a motion that cells in the body, all organs do that. It's showing, it's more or less a swaying where the cells more or less show you where they come from, and then they grow into maturity. Now, placenta has something like that. It has all this life still in it, and it should go to the baby It should migrate. It should migrate fully. The whole placenta should empty itself out into the baby. And when that happens, that umbilical cord is going to fall off by itself. It takes a few days, maybe three, four, five, six, seven, eight days maximum. And then the uh, placenta, umbilical cord, disconnect by themselves. Now, You have a baby who is totally full, filled with everything that was supposed to be in there. Now, okay, that's the theory. Now, I met over the years since that happened 20 years ago. I've been, of course, promoting and talking about this. And more and more of my students understand, hey, this sounds more natural. So, hey, why not do it? So it is total non-interference, non-aggression whatsoever. Now there is a little story out about that woman with the chimpanzees in Africa. Forgot her name at the moment. She goes and works with chimpanzees. Uh, in
1: Evans
2: is that? Jane, Goodall. Good. Jane oh, okay.
1: Goodall. Goodall.
2: Yes, she describes how a chimpanzee baby is born. The baby is born. All the chimpanzees are in the trees now looking. Nobody will touch the baby until the umbilical cord has disconnected by itself. So it's not some... Mm. Chimpanzees do that also. Waiting till uh, placenta is empty, waiting till it disconnects by itself, and then they go to mom and baby. They just wait around till that happens. But anyway... I have met since that those days so many, um, so many, maybe t- about 10, 12 babies, placenta babies, lotus babies that were born that way, and they are so incredibly different. There is nothing missing there. They mm. are born to- totally happy. You can see their basis is love, and there is... They're so different, it's just unbelievable. So yeah, you know this, if I think about it and I talk about it, how a baby can be born with everything that it's supposed to have in it. And then that underlaying a layer of something is missing is gone. This is maybe mm-hmm. the answer to the greed that's out there in the world, where everybody its never ever enough. I can understand now, why Mm. not? If you come into life and something essential is missing, you're gonna look for it your whole life until you find it, but it's missing. So (laughs) this is one of the things and also one of the things we do in our class, we found a way to bring that missing piece back to bring that energy that we lost at our own birth, we do something that's called rebirthing, where we bring people back to to their own conception. And that by itself is an amazing thing that you're able to watch your own conception. That's one of the things we can do in our cranial classes Go back in time and let the clients, let the students experience what happened when mom and dad were making love, how that felt. And when we do that, people just, that's the amazing thing. You have a grown-up body at this point, and with that body, you can go and look back all the way in your memory to the moment that mom and dad were making love, it is quite an insight for some people to uh, to realize that. Yeah. But anyway, just blabbering yeah. out here, any questions, Margot, so far? Yeah, I have
1: so many. This is, I have so enjoyed what you've shared so far. Yeah, maybe just in case people listening aren't already super familiar with it, could you share a little bit about craniosacral therapy. You've already mentioned some of the things that might look like, but yeah, just like an overview of, of what they would expect if they were to work with somebody in this capacity.
2: The main thing about craniosacral it's, it's derived from an osteopathic form. And what we do basically is giving space to the brain and the spinal cord it sits in, a, in its own little container in the cranium and in in your spine. And it's the part of the body that is in charge of all the rest. The brain, the spinal column, is in charge of all the rest. So what we do with our therapy is, first of all, relax every diaphragm that squeezes somewhere on the spine so that the body cannot really send these messages uh, without them being interfered with. And then that's our main thing actually is working with the skull and feeling where bones are not exactly in the spot that they're supposed to be. And so we give more space to a brain So it can function as maximal as possible. And we do that basically with every, with the whole body, just making sure that tensions just disappear. And then one of the things with, we of course work also with people's personal trauma. And we have found a very simple way to deal with that. The first thing that we work with is with the heart, and talking to the heart directly, where you go look at the time in your life when you were a baby growing up, very vulnerable, and how your heart protector had to really expand and make sure that the heart could become an an adult heart without being hurt, without anybody interfering there. So what we look at is how is the heart protector, can it loosen up so that the person can go out and receive love and give love. And that is mainly one of the main, one of the deepest traumas that people can have, their heart being touched. What else do we do? There is the craniosacral program. It's the whole body that we look at, not just the physical, but also the emotional parts, the mental parts, the traumatic events. We look at the whole body. And then we also, the cranial work is very subtle, very easy. It is just touching bones and not doing anything, but waiting till the bones tell you what is the best position for them to be in and it's going to be very subtle but uh, this is the most easy therapy that that exists. It's so simple and the fun mm-hmm. thing the fun thing is you don't need to have all anatomy in your head. you don't need to know exactly where everything runs. Because the body, once you know how to put your hands on the body, and that's very simple, you just have to find the right spots. But once you're there, we discovered that we don't need to do anything at all. The body will just tell you where, it, where the bones or whatever it is you're touching, where it should go to. And it makes it a really simple and an easy therapy.
0: Hello, everyone. If you're enjoying this podcast, you'd probably really enjoy our other more in-depth offerings. We have a comprehensive course for mamas called 13 Moons, Epic Education for the Birthing Year, and an Everything You Need to Know course for aspiring doulas who want to change the world called the Birth Warrior Project. 120 day doula training and transformation and for the real birth nerds who want to become home birth midwives we have the indie birth midwifery school and you can find out about all of these options and more at indiebirth.org that's indiebirth.org
2: What else?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to know. uh, Oh, I can hear myself echoing. There we go. Okay. Maybe I'll Here, I'm going to turn my sound down so that'll make it less funny. I guess I would really love to hear. I'm going to come back to the lotus birth piece too, but to start in the chronological order, at least in my brain, I'd love to hear what you've noticed when working with pregnant women and what it is that is most effective in terms of helping them find balance and give them the best chance of having a really smooth birth experience and thereby allowing the baby to have a really smooth birth experience as well. And I love that you use, I think you use the word aggression, like a birth without any aggression, a birth without fear and tension and all of those things. Like how do we set pregnant women up during pregnancy? Ideally, yeah. A component before pregnancy. I, what I've experienced is a lot of the women I work with, a lot of the clients I have, they're more open to doing body work during pregnancy than maybe they had put off before pregnancy. So um, that was a long question, but essentially, yeah, how do we, how have we seen that love like, working with pregnant women? What's been most helpful for them or what kind of things have you seen come up over and over again in that population?
2: That's quite a big question there, Margot. (laughs) Yes, it is. When a a woman is pregnant, she has no idea what's coming. Life will be never, ever the same as before. And yeah, you could say it's a biological trap that you don't know what's going to happen when you have a baby and when you have to look after it for... The following 20 years, it's quite a shock. But here is the thing. I can only, only talk about it. I'm not a woman. I never had a baby grow in myself. So I had to learn all these things from my wife, from a woman, yeah, who went through three births. And she tells me that not all the births were pregnant, were really joyful but she had two of the three that she that there was so much ecstasy instead of pain during the birth there was pain also but it was bearable and then later also she tells me that breastfeeding was one of the biggest orgasms she ever had in her life just having the baby suck and the satisfaction inside of Mm -hmm. her own body, but also the satisfaction of the baby and how the body reacts to that. We are breastfeeding. The baby is actually receiving liquid love. That's what mom is giving to the baby. And my wife is telling me that those were the highlights of her life having a baby breastfeed, but also the act of giving birth. It's, uh, yeah, all right, that's... So I had to learn everything, of course, from a woman, yeah, that uh, as a man, you don't have much with babies to start with. But anyway, uh, what I've seen and what is the most horrible thing that happens with uh, when a woman... Is going to become a mother. Yeah, there is only, it's not just a baby that's being born, but there is also a mother being born. Yeah, we often forget it's two new beings that come into life, but that's the way it is. What I noticed mostly is the enormity of what's going to come and Women have no clue, but that's one thing. But what I also noticed, and this yeah. has to do with hospitals, and the bigger the hospital, the worse it is. You don't want to go with the baby into a, mm-hmm. yeah. You have enough midwives, you have enough doula's who know much better than a doctor in a hospital what to do with babies. Yeah, you don't want to have a male doctor. That's also something. You want a woman there, of course. What is a man? What experience do they have at birth? Nothing, nothing whatsoever. Keep them out of there. Yeah, they're only gonna run in the way. But uh, my biggest thing that I saw is fear. When you go into a hospital, you lose your humanity. They take your humanity away and you become a number. That's what you become. Mm-hmm. that has a deep meaning becoming a number yeah you just lose so much of the human contact with people now that's one of the things what i see here in the hospitals in new mexico is that when they go to maternity ward there is a whole list that they have to sign they cannot refuse any anything of what the hospital tells them that should be happening with babies. So you lose not only your humanity, you lose also your power. You have nothing to say on what they do with babies. Yeah, I worked with so many women who were really at the edge, really... They could deliver, go deliver any moment. And whatever I did to make them feel comfortable, talk with their their womb, with every tissue in the body that the pregnancy is coming. If something happens and they go to a hospital, fear sets in immediately. And when fear sets in, the doors close. The door downstairs just closes, and then it becomes literally a medical problem. And that's basically, typically... Can you say more about that? What? I didn't hear you. Oh,
1: sorry. I said, can you say more about that? I'd love well, to hear more about this yes, idea. Of yes, the absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And it ties also back into that lotus bird I was talking about, the first one. The woman was talking about how come she got into Lotus Bird, and that was by accident. She connected to a midwife who was working in Central America with Native people, and how that tradition of Lotus Bird is still present there. But then the second thing I noticed, and also this ties totally in with the woman of the Lotus Bird, that is... For a woman, for downstairs, the vaginal canal for it to be totally open for the body to allow it to open, the body needs to produce hormones to open that whole area there. Now, that is tied in, and this is very strange, but it is tied in with the whole face if the face is closed if the mouth is closed yeah downstairs is not going to open it's mm-hmm. a biological law these two ends are either both open or both closed so if a woman is taken out of her comfort zone if she goes into fear and if she becomes really a number and has no power anymore about what's going to happen with the baby. She's going to be, yeah, the mouth is going to close because she doesn't have a voice really, and downstairs is also going to close. And this woman with the first lotus baby, I asked her what her profession was, and she started laughing. She does, as a profession, laughing meditations, So what that means is she goes with a group of people and starts telling a few jokes and they laugh for two hours. So her mouth was really as loose, all these muscles were as loose as can be. And she describes her birth experience also as if not just the contractions, were from the body, but were from the whole of existence, as if she was connected to something sacred, which it is. So for her, the birth was totally, totally easy. And I've noticed that with... I worked with with a few midwives who work with the natives here in New Mexico and with the Navajos, and one nurse was working in Tuba City, and she says, those native women, they have a competition when at birth. And the competition is who laughs the loudest? And they have jokes, wow. they tell jokes and they laugh the whole time. And if you see the native babies' heads, they're so much more relaxed, so much rounder than Western people's heads. But what were we talking about, Margot, the lotus bird? Oh, yeah, about, I'd love to hear yes. more about One of the things that I also was really surprised about, in our therapy, like with talking to the heart, you can actually have an organ talk. You, the thing that we do is you ask the client, is it okay for you, Margot, to lend your voice to your liver or your stomach or your heart, yeah. And that gives us a chance to talk with heart or with somebody else in the body. And one of the things that I noticed what that was really it really that shocked me, that how pregnant somebody can be doesn't matter. But some people do not have any connection with their own womb. Know it. Know it's there, but have not. One of the techniques we use is I would say to to somebody, all right, look at your womb. When I have my hands on the womb and the baby's in there, look at your womb and look it in the eyes as if it has eyes. What are these eyes telling you? give it a voice, mm. the mouth of these eyes telling, so they can really have a conversation with their womb. And that, that is such a, I find such a intimate but necessary thing. And it flabbergasted me that out of the 10 women that I had over the floor, eight were unable, never thought even about, hey, this is my womb. And I can talk with it, see how it's doing with that baby in there, because, yeah, now it's the time of its life for the womb, so it can fulfill its life's purpose. So what is there to say? That is so interesting for them to connect with their own body so it's not something that's growing in
1: there. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a powerful tool and something that sounds like it would be useful if someone's listening, whether they're pregnant or working with pregnant women, something that we could do that's simple but so powerful.
2: It all depends on how much time they have. There is also how big is your wallet thing, yeah, that how often can they be on the table to relax as much as possible and get them also ready for breastfeeding. Not every woman can do that, but we never look at the reason why not. You know, why not? It's, well, yeah, probably something to do with their own birthing experience. A woman should be able to give breastfeeding. It's a matter of how much love can you... So that's one of the things that is so necessary also for a woman to talk to her own heart and her heart protector so she has a little more a connection there, there, a little bit more friendly with your own heart. It's, a, it's an easy thing or a difficult thing if you have a baby, but there is still something in you that wasn't looked at Yeah, you're always going to be trying to look at that, although you don't know how to do it. But it puts a weight on your connection with the newborn if you yourself are still sitting in some kind of a birth related trauma. And that's where we
1: absolutely,
2: yeah, that's where that's our work basically to uh, not just. Physical, but also to look at uh, what happened to this person and what can we together straighten out. These things, once you talk about them, it's so much so easy to uh, to put a point behind it. What else, (laughs) Marco?
1: What else? Yeah, I guess I'd also love to talk more about your work with babies. Like you said, I, and I've seen this myself, although I haven't seen very many lotus births, we definitely, I'd say the majority of the births I go to, we don't cut the cord until about an hour post-birth. so They get a little bit of time, and I have attended a couple of lotus births. But that said, most babies are being born in the hospital as much as, and that's part of my life's work is to change that. But in the immediate present, so many are being born in with aggression and with trauma and without much respect for the sacredness that is birth. And so I'm just curious, what what does cranial sacral have to offer those babies as they are trying to transition into this world and probably didn't have the most gentle
2: beginnings. Yeah, that's so unnecessary, but it's the way it is. It's the way it is. And even the worst thing that's happening at the moment is, I think it's getting close to 50%, that babies are now all, yeah, cesarean babies, instead of having a natural birth. So biologically, these babies are never born. Yeah, tell me more about that. That has such an effect on the circadian rhythms of a baby. A baby, every being has a very specific moment that it wants to be born. And no two beings are born at the same moment, at the same spot. It is really, it defines our uniqueness, our being different than anybody else. It defines our, well, yeah, uniqueness means also our genius. We are all, all different. Every one of us is different. Every one of us is born perfect. Yeah, a few mistakes here and there, but that's part of the whole. (laughs) We are all so unique. And the baby itself really defines the moment that it's going to come out to the second. Now if you interfere there, yeah, you interfere in the basically in the whole life of a baby. Yeah, there is, and you might find this silly, there is something like astrology. Yeah, where the moment you're born, you can look at where all the planets, what is in store for me. And of course this is not detailed, but more or less, you can see where a person, how, what type of a person this is going to be. So with all these unnecessary caesareans, you're changing a person at the very core. You change a person maybe a day or two days that they are going to be delayed or early, but you change their own uniqueness, I think that's a crime against humanity, against individuality. That should be uh, mm. basically the First Amendment in the Constitution. Don't change their timing. Yeah, because you're interfering with their life task, with whatever it is. It's horrible. It's, it is just horrible. Mm. And what's the reason that they do that? It's, they're not going to be sued as easily. It's easier. Caesarean is easier. What's what's the trouble? Nothing. You cut them open. And sew it back, too, back together. Yeah, and we're not going to have any problems with the baby because, hey, they come out a little different. They look a little different, but, hey, they'll pick up. And they do pick up, but not fully. Luckily, without, we have a way... To bring children through the womb, but different. We use our hands and to get the feeling that cesarean birth is, or the regular birth, it all has to do with gravity. The body materializes, it becomes mother, and a baby needs to be in the body with cesarean they are not fully in the body, yeah, all right, we can, let's say, change that at least 90%. But it's a pity there's so much that needs to change, actually. But it is a mass industry you're up against.
1: Yes, it's a big, it's a behemoth. Conversations like this, I think, help People move away from it little by little.
2: So I hope so. I'm so grateful to
1: have people
2: like you know the trouble with these
1: what
2: else with these cesarean babies when when you have a whole almost half the population that's being born like that one of the one of the things is that their circadian rhythm their inner their biological clock is not set. Yeah, it is set to a different date. And if you're not set to your own system inside, you lose part of your midline of your being certain about yourself. Yeah, there is no yeah, there is no watch inside that you can rely on. So these children are going to be very susceptible to outside your rule, you could say. It's not a good thing. But anyway, Margot, what else?
1: What else? I don't know. What else would you like to share? I guess if, you know, think of all these probably women who are listening in who are maybe pregnant and maybe work with pregnant clients as either midwives or doulas is there anything you want them to know about your work and what you have available if somebody wanted to learn more about about cranial sacral therapy and maybe do some sort of training with you what would that look like
2: we uh, you can always look us up at the website and what is the website again oh yeah it's quite a, a big i'll put it in. Yeah. It's April. Yeah. Perfect. Besides that, the most important thing I could say to uh, anybody of course, what I talk about, the craniosacral, if you can afford it and if you know somebody in your neck of the woods, go for it, please. It will change your relationship with the baby totally. It will make it so much more easy because it's not a big, it's a big deal. <laughs> Suddenly you're a woman and then the next moment you're not alone anymore because there's always this little one with you. and You're not alone anymore. Wow, wow, that's a big one. That's a big thing. But what I would say about if you're pregnant and you want to go as easy and as good as possible, follow your feeling. If you end up with a gynecologist or a doctor and it doesn't feel good, don't hesitate one moment. You're going to regret it. Yeah? Find somebody that feels good for you, that you can look in each other's eyes and you can tell anything. Yeah, Gynecologists, stay away from them. They're, they are very learned, but they usually, I would go from with a midwife and ask advice from a doula any moment. Yeah, Those are the people that really, really uh, feel Feel what it is being pregnant and having a baby. So follow your feeling at all moments. In spite of all all the rhetoric and all the big words and all the power that the people with the white coats have, follow your heart at all moments.
1: Mm. That probably is the best advice we could ever give Anyone, like you said, but especially in pregnancy. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's the heart of it all, right?
2: It is. All right.
1: Probably a good place to to wrap up. And like I said, I'll put in the show notes, I'll add your website and also the link to your book, which I am going to add to my cart and have sent to me probably this afternoon All right. um, and I just want to thank you again for
0: taking some time today to be with us.
2: Okie doke.
0: I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and give this podcast a five-star review. For more enriching content and conversation around the primal physiological process that is pregnancy, birth, and beyond, please head over to IndieBirth.org. And if you are in the Duluth area seeking prenatal and midwifery support, you can find Margo at DuluthMidwife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.